Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth with your host, Diane Helbig. Diane is a leading small business development and leadership coach, author, and speaker who is passionate about sharing valuable ideas, tips, and techniques with business professionals worldwide. Diane brings you the world's experts and gurus in all things business, whether it's sales, structure, social media, planning, or plateauing, guests bring their expertise and energy to each episode. When growing your business is your focus, Accelerate Your Business Growth is the show to listen to. Got a topic or guest suggestion? Let Diane know. The goal is to make sure you have the information you need to move your business forward. Thanks for joining us. Settle in and enjoy. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me. Today's podcast is sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free book when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth. Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast continues to gain recognition as a great resource for small business owners, sales professionals, uh, business leaders, uh, the world over. And this is really because of the guests who I've had the honor of speaking with over the years. These are folks who have expertise in particular areas of business, and they join me uh, to have a conversation where they share that expertise with all of you. That way you can get the answers you need, get the information you're looking for, you can take it back into your business and uh, be more successful and happier. Today is no exception. Today my guest is Oscar Trimboli. Excuse me. Oscar is on a quest to create a hundred million deep listeners in the world. He's an author, host of the Apple award-winning podcast Deep Listening, and a sought-after keynote speaker. Oscar is passionate about using the gift of listening to bring positive change in homes, workplaces, and the world. Through his work with chairs, boards of directors, and executive teams in local, regional, and global organizations, Oscar's experienced firsthand the transformational impact leaders and organizations can have when they listen beyond the words. He consults to organizations including Cisco, Google, HSBC, News Corp, PayPal, Qantas, TripAdvisor, and many more, helping executives and their teams listen to what's unsaid by the customers and employees. Thanks so much for joining me today, Oscar. 
G'day, Diane. I'm looking forward to listening to your questions. I am looking forward to listening to your answers. And speaking of which, I am fascinated by this topic and would love it if you would tell the listeners what is deep listening. So most of us have been taught the importance of active listening, look at the speaker, notice what they're saying, nod, uh, say things like, mm, tell me more. And what, what else could that be about? Deep listening is listening beyond the words. Deep listening is listening to what's unsaid. If you simply understand the neuroscience of listening, you speak at 125 words a minute, but you think at 900 words a minute. So the likelihood that the speaker says the first thing they're thinking, there's about a one in nine chance or 11% that what they say is what they mean. So deep listening is about finding those other 700 words to help the speaker make sense of what they're saying, not just the listener. So deep listening is all about helping the speaker make sense of what they mean. So why does it really matter um, I'll say in leadership for starters, but in leadership more than ever. In leaderships, in business, in politics and communities, the cost of not listening is vast. The cost of not listening is conflict, confusion, maybe even chaos. In the workplace, if you think about great employees that have left, more than likely you haven't been listening to them. If you think about great customers you would have liked to have had but never got the chance to form a relationship with, they often say that you didn't listen to them well. Customers who've been long-term customers who've left often will say, you forgot to listen to me. And listening is about taking action. A lot of people hear, but the difference between hearing and listening is the action you take as a result of what you see. So there are many surveys that say that employees don't leave organizations. They actually leave their manager, their supervisor. And the number one reason why they leave their supervisor is they don't listen. They either repeat the same complaints month after month, year after year, and just get sick and tired of saying the same thing and not being heard. And the same is true for customers and the same is true for voters as well. Boy, no kidding. I have to say that I think one of the worst feelings in the world is feeling like you're not being heard. Not for, for most of us, what we don't understand is at 20 weeks inside our mother's womb, the first skill we ever learn was a skill to listen. So at 20 weeks, a baby can distinguish its mother's voice from any other sound. And at 32 weeks, you can distinguish music. You can distinguish Beethoven from Bon Jovi from Beaver. And the minute we come into the world, we crave attention. We, we want to be noticed. And the very act of birth the moment that people popped down on the birth certificate, the minute you were born was the minute you screamed. So that very first act of birth is you wanting to be noticed. So, so there is a craving way back to our birth that we're being taught to listen. We want to be heard, but then we spend the rest of our lives thinking that speaking is the only part of communication and yeah. communication is 50% listening and 50% speaking. Uh, by the second stage in most people's career, they've had between five and seven training courses on how to speak 
and none, zero training courses in how to listen. So if you want to get back four hours a week, uh, learning how to listen is probably the best ROI for any leader's time, whether they're owning their own business or they're, or they're supervising staff. Okay, so why don't we, why aren't we better listeners, do you think? Oh, look, the numbers are in globally. It, whether I speak on stage where I take uh, real-time uh, polling from the audience, whether I speak to academics in Europe, in Asia, in North America, this statistic is very consistent. It varies only marginally between 84 and 86% of people think that they are above average listeners. So listening is an awareness problem, much like 83% of people think they're above average IQ and 87% of people think they're above average car drivers. When it comes to listening, we don't know what good is. Maybe it was different where you went to school, Diane, but I didn't have a listening teacher when I went to school. I had a maths teacher. Did you have a listening teacher at school? No, no. So <clears throat> none of us know what divide, subtract, multiply. What, what's the basics of listening? None of us have ever been taught. And yet with no teaching whatsoever, we know exactly when somebody's not listening to us. There's four villains when it comes to listening. And, and one of those listening villains is the interrupting listener. The minute you draw breath, that's their commercial break to tell you the answer to your problem. There's the shrewd listener who's exactly the opposite. They sit there quietly nodding and saying to themselves, wow, that's a pretty basic problem. I can solve that one pretty easy. I'm thinking about three other problems they haven't got to because I'm so smart. I wish they'd hurry up and get there. Now, disproportionately represented in teaching professions, uh, sales professions, disproportionately represented in the medical profession, the legal profession, the accounting profession, any profession that asks somebody to say, hey, what brings you here today? But there's two other villains, and you might relate to any of these, Diane. Uh, the next villain is the lost listener. They're distracted. They're not even sure why they're there. They're trying to figure out what's going on. And they're basically saying to themselves, well, if I listen for another five minutes, I'm sure I can fill in the gaps and make up the context or worse still they're on their cell phone or their, or their laptop yeah. or, 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 or their iPad. And then the last one's a dramatic listener, dramatic listener loves your story because it gives them a stage to tell their story. If you've got a bad boss, they're going to tell you about the time that they had an even worse boss. If you're going through a bad merger, they're going to tell you about a merger. If your project's off track, they're going to tell you about a time when their project was off track and even worse. So those four listening villains show up in all of our lives because listening is situational and relational. We listen differently to our parents than we would to a school principal or a police officer. And for a lot of us, we show up as different listening villains in different situations. Now, I'm not a perfect listener, Diane. Uh, I show up at work as a shrewd listener and I show up at home as a lost listener. How about you? Which one did you relate to? The dramatic listener. Mm. And Sorry is that, to say. But is yeah. that more at home or at work? <laughs> Um, I think it's more, uh, what's interesting about it, is, so I think it's more when I'm out 
you know, in, in a social setting. Mm. Um, and lately, I have noticed that this is sort of weird. I've had like this awareness that I am thinking I could tell a story and then I just don't. I just, because I feel like it's that uh, sort of like one-upping mm. the other person, which isn't my intent, but I don't know. I, I guess I, I've become sort of aware of it lately, and so I just try to just listen to it without wanting to then tell a similar story. Yeah, and for those of you listening right now, think of the worst listener you know out of those four villains, the dramatic listener, the interrupting listener, the lost listener, and the shrewd listener. Whichever one you relate to the most, the one that frustrates you the most, is probably your primary listening villain. So for all of us, our, our villains help us understand where our, where our blind spots are when it comes to listening and why listening is so difficult because we've never been taught some of the most basic things about listening. The other thing, Diane, that you don't know, but it's happening right now for your listeners, they are completely in a different place. We're talking too slowly because the 125-400 rule means I'm speaking, you're speaking at about 125 to 150 words a minute. They can listen to 400 words a minute. So they're filling in the gaps with the other 300. They might be exercising while they're listening to us. They might be in the kitchen. They might be commuting, but we're not speaking fast enough. So here's another beautiful rule to think about when it comes to listening. You are genetically coded. You are neurologically coded to be distracted. We have peripheral vision to help us survive as a species. We also have peripheral hearing. So that distracts us when we're listening. So the difference between a distracted listener and a deep listener is just knowing you'll be distracted and coming back to the conversation. Trust me, Diane, I get distracted too, but the difference between me and other listeners is I notice it quicker and I come back into the conversation. So for those of you right now commuting, hey, huh. welcome back. <laughs> <laughs> So this is like the best meditation audios where they say, okay, you might be starting to think about something. That's okay. <laughs> Come on back. Right. <laughs> start, start counting to 10 again. Yeah. Really, that's so interesting. And we, we, and we have... shouldn't be beating ourselves up. No, look, in our database, we have a research database of 1,400 people who've, who've said to us they want to become better listeners and they're working with us over now the third year about improving their listening. 81% of people struggle not with the conversation but with the distractions even before they get to the conversation. They struggle with what's in their head before they turn up. So they'll come to a conversation and as they step into the room or onto the phone call or to the dinner table, they're thinking about the last thing that's in their mind, or they're thinking about the next thing that's in their mind, or they're thinking about what they need to do on the weekend. They're not completely present and available for the conversation because they have all these web browsers open in their mind and they just keep filling up and filling up and filling up and there isn't enough available space for them to process what's going on in the conversation. And then it becomes worse when the conversation starts because a lot of people get distracted by what the speaker actually says and start to think about, oh yeah, when was the last time that happened to me? But they're not completely in the conversation. So if you'd like three tips, Diane, to help us 
in a really practical way to get present for those meetings. They're really basic. They're really simple. Number one. Okay. I, wait, 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 wait. I do, but I want to take a quick sponsor break before we get into them so then I don't have to interrupt later. Speaking of interrupting. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Accelerate Your Business Growth Podcast is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. They have over 150,000 titles to choose from, and you can listen to them on any device, including whatever you're hearing us on right now. And if you sign up at our link, which is audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth, you get one free audiobook and a one-month trial of the service. Some examples of books you can listen to on audible.com are Management Mess to Leadership Success by Scott Miller, and The Ultimate Sale by Justin Goodbread. So visit audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth, explore the books that are of interest to you, and receive one free audiobook when you sign up for the trial. Today we're speaking with Oscar Tromboli about the power of deep listening. Okay, Oscar, before I took that sponsor break, you were about to tell us three tricks or tips. So go for it. Yeah, and before I do, I'd love to give a shout out, no affiliation here whatsoever, to James Clear's Atomic Habits, which is available on Audible. It's a brilliant book to help you progress on very simple habits and move the worst habits you've got forward. And it's a book I recommend to all the people in my deep listening community because the as the title implies, Atomic, James breaks down habit formation and change to its most simple atomic elements. And he's been great in helping me understand how to move, not just myself, but for others that I recommend the book. And it's Audible. He's only just come out on Audible in uh, the last month. And uh, James, uh, the book's been published for 11 months and 11 months in the New York Times bestseller list. So it's a really nearly wow. a million copies sold. I strongly recommend it if you're listening on Audible. Wonderful. Thank you for that. That's great. Yeah. Now let's talk about the three most simple and basic things you can do to change a habit when it comes to listening. Now these, Diane, are going to sound so simple, but as a, I was, I was presenting to a Japanese company and the CEO stood up on stage. He, he read my book and he, he literally bowed in front of me as I, as I was about to present, but he turned to the room or where all his staff was about 600 of them and said, I've read this book. It's really simple, but it's difficult to practice. And inside uh, are these three really simple tips that he reinforced. So tip number one, remove the distractions. If it buzzes, if it notifies, if it beeps, if it has a visual notification for you, if it's a cell phone, if it's a laptop, it's an iPad, switch it off. Now for a lot of you, you're going crazy right now. You could never imagine or even visualize that you could switch off your cell phone. But if you do, you remove one of the biggest barriers to listening and you'll double your listening productivity immediately. Now, if you can't go completely cold turkey, then think about this range. Switch all those red dots off on your cell phone, those notifications, those vibrations. And then when you move from that, maybe move to flight mode and then switch it off in 2012. 
Yeah, 2012, Peter from Microsoft head office, Diane, when I was working there, he flew from Seattle to Sydney, literally a 24-hour flight, and I was the first meeting he had where I was hosting 20 CEOs of local technology companies. I introduced him. He was the host in the, from that point on. And the first thing he did was he stood up, he apologized to the room, took his cell phone out of his coat pocket, switched it off, put it in his bag, came back to the table and apologized. He said, the most important thing I can give you right now is my attention. Please forgive me. Now in that moment, Diane, what do you think happened next with the other 20 CEOs around the room? They did the same thing. 17 out of 20 did and three out of the 20, I think probably switched them into flight mode or vibrate mode or something like that. <laughs> now, now Peter left the meeting after 45 minutes and I had another half an hour with the uh, CEOs and what they said to me was they meet many technology executives from many companies around the world, but this was a first meeting that a leader actually listened to them and they had the opportunity to listen to each other. Now that, that group still meets. Now they don't all 20 meet all at the same time, but twice a year they get together, <clears throat> excuse me, and they call themselves the Peter Cell Phone Club. And they get together and a lot of them have moved jobs, but they still comment about that meeting and the way a leader, a business owner can role model listening simply by the act of switching the cell phone, the laptop off and, and giving rather than paying someone their complete attention. So tip number one, switch off those devices. Tip number two, drink a glass of water in every meeting and, and make sure there's a glass of water for whoever you're speaking with as well. So hydrated brain is a listening brain. The brain is only 5% of body mass, yet it consumes 20 six percent of the blood sugar and the fastest way to get blood sugar to the brain is making sure it's hydrated now if you love starbucks i'm not here to tell you to stop drinking coffee i'm here well maybe i am but if you if you drink starbucks then or any kind of coffee just drink an extra glass of water for every cup of coffee you have as well but tip number two drink water tip number three take three deep breaths before you go into a meeting and i'm not saying get into a yoga pose and, and it doesn't have to be noticeable. The way I bring this practice to life, Diane, is when I go and visit a client and I cross the lobby in the building, the first thing I do, I switch off my cell phone, I put it in my bag. The next thing I do is when I get into the elevator, I put my back up against the back of the elevator and depending on how many flights I've got to go up, uh, I'll, I'll simply take three deep breaths. If there's nobody in the lift, and then I'll probably close my eyes and take three deep breaths. Unfortunately, two weeks ago, I was in an elevator going to 46 stories and at 38, oh. my ear popped. Um, so I had to get out. And uh, when I got out of the lift, turn right and go to the, to the restroom, did my three deep breaths there. And then when I went to reception, they always offer me refreshments and I always ask for a jug of water and glasses for me and my guest. And that's how simple it is. But if you practice those three things, one thing I can tell you, that my clients have found out they get four hours back a week consistently because there's a lack of miscommunication. Oh, is that what you meant when we met last time about the project update? I thought you meant something else altogether. And then there's a whole bunch of rework that has to take place. Or you meet with a client, you send a proposal and they said, no, I asked for this. 
the lack of listening has resulted in you having to do more work and, and wasted time, not just for the prospect or the customer, but also for you as well. So four hours a week is amazing. Our clients say they have the opportunity to use that time to either think about the problems they've got in a deeper way or think about and plan the longer term a little bit more or simply go and have the kinds of conversations that they couldn't have before with staff or customers. And for a really small set, about 10% of my clients, they just say, I take that time off. I go and play golf, I run, I swim, I cycle, I spend time with my children, but I'm really grateful for those four hours back in the week. Yeah, that's a ton of time. It's huge. And that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you, you said um, a couple of times about listening to what's said and what's unsaid. Can you share with the listeners how you listen to what's unsaid? I know. Don't, don't I sound like Yoda from Star Wars when I say, <laughs> listen for what's unsaid? <laughs> anyway, remember, right at the beginning, we talked about the 125-900 rule. So the speaker's got roughly 900 words stuck in their head, but they can only say 125 at a time in each minute. So the likelihood that what they say the first time is what they mean is 11%. Now, Diane, at my stage of life, I'm seeing a doctor way too regularly. My doctor is called Dr. John. And if Dr. John gave me an 11% chance of surgery survival or treatment success, I'm asking for another opinion. Trust me, I'll be asking for a second and probably a third with an 11% chance. Now, for most of us, we don't realize when we're in a conversation we're just listening to the first thing they say. Now, the likelihood that it's well rehearsed, well thought through is very unlikely. Most people's mind is like a clothes washing machine. It's agitated, it's sudsy, it's going back and forth. It's not really making progress until the rinse cycle comes. And when we speak, that's our rinse cycle. So if you practice these three things, Diane, you'll be able to listen for what's unsaid. And when you do, you'll hear these magic code words coming back from those speaking to you. They'll say things, and typically they'll sigh or take in a deep breath. Typically they'll go, hmm, well, actually what we should be talking about is, or now that I think about it a little longer, we should be talking about, or what's really important to me Mm, what I meant to say was, have you ever heard people say that to you, Diane? Sure. And this is unpicking what's unsaid. So how do we get them to say what's unsaid? Step one is, is these three simple phrases. They're so simple. They're so short. They should be easy to remember. First thing, tell me more. Next one. That's a great one. A friend of mine does that all mm. the time. Mm. We'll come back to you, friend. Next phrase. What else? Now, there's a reason these phrases are really short. Any, anything over seven words as a question is biased. So the shorter you can make the question, the more potent it can be. And the most potent thing you can say and you need to listen carefully for this one, is this. That's right, absolutely nothing. <laughs> Pause. 
allow silence to do the heavy lifting for you. And that pause will be an invitation for them just to think a little bit longer about it. And then those magic words come out. Mm, what I need to talk to you about is what I meant to say was what's really important to me right now. Now let's come back to your friend, Diane. Okay. What made you think of them straight away when I said, because she's the only person I know who does it, and she and I love it. Like when I met her, and I would listen to her speak, and she would tell a story, and she would say that someone said X, Y, and Z, and so she said, "So tell me more." And I would think, "Wow, that is like the coolest thing in the world." I, I have not adopted it yet. I'm going to have to, but she instantly came to mind when you said that because I think she's the only person I know who does it. Hmm. And on a scale of one to 10, how would you rate her as a listener? Oh my gosh. Uh, uh, 10. Yeah. She's a great listener. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And playing with and using that space, the ancient traditions and cultures, whether that's the Inuit of North America, the Aborigines of Australia, Chinese cultures, Middle Eastern cultures, silence, is a sign of wisdom. Silence is a sign of authority. Silence is a sign of respect. In the West, we use these wacky phrases like the pregnant pause, the awkward silence, the deafening silence. And we, we have an uncomfortable relationship with silence. Uh, just like music though, some, some of the most amazing music is created not by what's played, but the space in between it. And so it's true with listening. We need the space for our minds to catch up, both the speaker and the listener. And if we just become a little bit more comfortable with silence, we'd be shocked what comes about. So those simple things, uh, tell me more, what else? And, and just blank, use silence. And you'll be shocked what kinds of conversations will take place. A lot of people say to me, yeah, but Oscar, this all takes time. I haven't got time. And I go, in the beginning, it feels like it takes time but very quickly you realize that you have the real conversation. You get to the essence of the issue faster rather than this superficial 11% where we're having really fast conversations about the wrong things. So please, for those of you who love it quick and fast, keep having all those really fast conversations and <laughs> go, go to a casino in Las Vegas and see what happens when you have an 11% chance of success. Just keep spinning that wheel. See how you go. You can do it really fast. Yeah. <laughs> so all I'm saying is if we're just a little bit deliberate, if we just ask what else you'll be shocked. It reminds me of a story of a workshop I was running with a small business and it was, it was in a really narrow uh, room. It was quite dusty and it was about noon. I knew it was noon because they were about to serve uh, the lunch and we'd started at 8am that day. We'd had a little break at about 10.30 and this owner was tapping his watch and giving me that glare. If, if it was a comic strip, movie um his laser lights would have zapped my head off with the with the stare he was giving me and, and we've done a simple exercise which was 
this organization, by the way, Diane, is, was doing pretty well. They were growing at about 30% per annum for the last five years. But in the last uh, 12 months, it had slowed down. Now, their global peers, they were growing at about 50%. And they were trying to become a global organization. And we've done a simple exercise, 11 people in the room, by the way, including the owner. And we've done this exercise, which was if this organization was an animal, what sort of animal would it be? And there was a lot of group think going on and it was an eagle, an osprey, a, a vulture, some kind of bird of prey that moved really fast. And the answers were really, really consistent. And we got through everybody except Elaine. Uh, Elaine was kind of card carrying member of the introvert community and she she was very thoughtful, very deliberate. So the CEO kind of tapped his watch again and it's like, we don't need to listen to Elaine. Elaine, we, we, we need to move on and have lunch. And I just paused, used a bit of silence, reached my left hand out and kind of invited her into the conversation. And she said, I thought we were a snake. Wow. And the, and the tension in the room changed dramatically. The CEO definitely is trying to blow my head off now with those laser beam lights. <laughs> and I'm, and I'm thinking there's no way I'm going to get paid for this because he's not happy and he's hungry. It's a bad combination. <laughs> and rather than leaving it, I simply say, tell me more. And she said, for the last five years, we've adapted to our clients all the time. I thought we were like a snake. I thought we shed our skin every season to reinvigorate ourselves and the customer as well. Like a snake, we sensed ahead of what we were doing and the tension evaporated immediately into a room. Now play, wow. the, play, the, play the clock forward. Oh, well, we won't. What was going through your mind when you were thinking of a snake, Diane? well something that was unpleasant and sneaky mm. and probably for everybody else in the room they were thinking exactly the same now the bit you don't know is elaine is from an asian culture where snakes mean something completely different to the west <sighs> and yet we don't take the time we have all these listening filters that we apply and aren't even conscious of it now wind the clock forward what happens next is really interesting the rest of the day they think about what snake code words could they use for their product development and they had all these snake beanie toys that they started to distribute to the employees and this snake story became part of their sales presentation now they got back to growth the kind of growth they wanted now i'm not saying that moment alone but it was the moment during the lunch break where the ceo came up to me and he said could we go downstairs and have a chat and I'm thinking, I'm definitely not getting paid now. <laughs> and he goes, can you teach me how to do that? And I said, oh, do what? And he said, well, you listened to the kind of people that I don't listen to. And wow. I, I would have missed out on a massive opportunity. What prompted you to do that? And I said, too often we think that the people who speak the most have the best ideas. Yet Elaine, the card carrying member of the introvert community, 
what they do really skillfully. And if you engage them in the conversation, they're great distillers. They are great summarizers and they're very good at bringing the external to the internal. They bring the customer or the competitor into the conversation. And again, remember that 125-900 rule. If an extrovert's talking, the likelihood the first thing they say is meaningful is 11%. Now, what the introvert in that room may do is summarize all those 11% together and then bring a really good distillation there. So for a lot of us, we invite many people to the meeting, but if they don't speak, what's the point of inviting them? And what I taught that leader to do deliberately was taking the time to hearing from all voices in the room and not even waiting for Elaine to speak at the end, but inviting her earlier into the conversation. Now, because she found her voice in that conversation, she was given more interesting projects with bigger scope and bigger impact. And she got a promotion um, very quickly within 90 days after that. So I invite you as owners of businesses to think about who aren't you listening to? It could be a customer. It could be one of your employees. It could be one of your suppliers. But if you listen to what they're not saying, imagine what it could do in terms of transformation for you as well. That's fabulous. Wow, I really appreciate that story. That That is so great. I mean, what a great example of the impact of deep listening. Mm. Oh. I, I, it really is, is wonderful. Thank you for that. And I think everybody listening can put themselves in that situation in, in some fashion, right, in, in some role, you know, that they have played one, one of the parts in that. Mm. Now, I'm curious, um, what does it mean to say that everybody sees in color, but they listen in black and white? Most of us really think about listening as hearing. And if you really had the, the most basic training, you might watch body language. So it's two dimensional, it's black and white. But if you want to start listening in Technicolor to start to hear the Eileen's of the world, to listen to this broad spectrum of colors when it comes to listening, you need to be aware of the five levels of listening, not just listening to content, which is level two. For a lot of us, when we listen to content, we hear, we see, but this innateness in all of us is also to listen for state, to feel what the other person's going through. For a lot of us, we don't even notice the other person's breathing pattern. We watch their body language. Maybe their arms are folded. Maybe they're leaning back in the chair. But for a lot of us, we can simply do this. I was, I was working with an organization going through a merger. It was about two years ago. And I was working with a leader and they were talking through the dramas of this merger and they were the organization being acquired. But this person, Peter was put in charge of the merger integration. So he felt a little bit mixed loyalties would be the easiest way to say it. And he was, he was just moaning. He was carrying on for about 
25 minutes about how hard this was and it wasn't fair. And then I just noticed at one point when he was talking about a particular topic with regard to a specific team, he took in a really deep breath and his shoulders went back and I didn't comment on it, but I noticed something shifted for him. And I brought it back a bit later at about the 25 minute mark. I said, Peter, when you were talking about that team, something changed for you. And he just breathed. He just ex exhaled like a balloon, letting out all the air. And he went, you know, I really got to stop whining and taking responsibility for this merger. I'm in charge. And what I was thinking about then was I have responsibility, but I need to take responsibility. And I'm glad you didn't interrupt me because I had to get it out of my system, but I've made a decision because you noticed that, that I'm responsible. And see, for a lot of us, we want to know what that means for us as the listener. It's not our job to make sense of it for us. If we're listening in Technicolor, it's our job to help the speaker make sense of what they mean. We don't have to really understand what they mean. If they come to an understanding as Peter did in that situation with the merger, they'll think you're an amazing listener. But all I said was when you were talking about that team, something changed. Now, what I could have said was, one, I could have interrupted him in that moment when it changed, but he was in flow. It's not my job to interrupt him. The other thing I could have done was say, hey, when you talked about that team, seems like you changed your mind about something. Now, they may or may not, but again, as a, as a listener, your job isn't to put your filters into the conversations to help them. And from that point on, the conversation completely changed. It moved from a moaning, carrying on conversation to a conversation about action and responsibility. Now, I always ask this question at the end of the conversation, what's different in your thinking as we leave this room? And Peter said, I need to see what's happening with people's breathing, don't I? And for a lot of us, if we just pay attention and listen for what we hear, what we see and how they breathe will hear things that they can't even hear themselves because the body signals much faster than the brain can catch up. I don't know about you, Diane. Do you trust your gut feel? Uh, yeah, I try to. I, I yeah. <laughs> not, probably not as much as I should. Yeah, well, let me flip it the other way. Have you ever had a time when you didn't trust your gut feel and there were consequences? Yes. Yeah. And people don't realize this. There's more nerve endings in the human gut than there is in the human brain. And so the ability for the gut to sense, to feel is amazing. But if we're on a laptop and we're on a cell phone and we're distracted, we're not present in the moment. We can't listen at this level. And you can see really quickly when you do how easy it is to get four hours back in a week, half a day. If we just listen and sense what else is said what else isn't said and more importantly what are you sensing from them as humans we are amazing sensing machines but most of us are too distracted to pay attention to these things and if we did we, we would have these kind of transformational moments with people like peter that's remarkable 
Now, I often say I'm, I'm not yeah. the expert there. I just witnessed that for him. Don't think that you couldn't learn what I've just done, but you need to be available. You need to be present for that yeah. to take place. Yeah, that's what I keep thinking. Through so, so this whole conversation, what I keep thinking is it really is about being in the moment, really being and, and knowing that there are um, distractions, there are pitfalls, there are the villains, there, there are things that pull us. And so we have to bring ourselves back. We, if we keep bringing ourselves back, then we can be better listeners. And, and I love this thing about getting four hours back. I totally understood that when you said it. That made so much sense to me because we're hearing things the first time. We're having better conversations the first time. Yeah, you got it. Wow. You got yeah. it. Crazy. Wow. Wow. This is really great. I really appreciate this, this conversation, Oscar. And will you tell the listeners um, – about your book and how they can find you and the book and what you've got going on, please. Look, if, if you want to start into the conversation to improve your listening, to move from distracted to deep, to get those four hours back a week, just visit listeningmyths.com. Listeningmyths.com is the gateway to a downloadable, which will explain the five myths of listening. But more importantly, what are the practical things you can do about it. You can access other resources there like the book, the deep listening playing cards, the deep listening jigsaw puzzle. You can access the Apple award-winning deep listening podcast. We, we just dedicated to how to listen better. We interview air traffic controllers, high court judges. We interview journalists. We interview uh, palliative care nurses. We interview suicide counselors. We interview FBI and CIA hostage negotiators, and they all promise to provide us at least one, but usually three tips on how they listen differently as well. There's no shortage of resources there, so please visit listeningmyths.com. That's the starting point to moving from distracted to a deep listener and getting four hours back a day. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. And listeners, Boy, thank you. I, I love that you tune in and download and pay attention to um, all of this incredible content. This was another tremendous episode for you. Uh, please uh, check out, please visit um, listeningmyths.com and continue the exploration. I'd also like to thank our sponsor, audible.com. To get your free trial of audible.com as well as a free audiobook. Uh, you might just want to get Atomic Habits uh, while you're there. Uh, just go to audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth to sign up. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. I don't know what I was thinking when we named our dog Kitty. And this sweetie's become a true family member. So when we vacation, she comes too. That's why we love Red Roof. Not only are they pet friendly, you also get a great price on clean, comfortable rooms so you wake up rested and ready to hit the road again. And this summer, when we rest and repeat at Red Roof, staying two separate times can earn us a free night. Isn't that right, kitty? <coughs> Book at redroof.com. Me, 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 but also you. 
The Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man. That's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry. I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus. The Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool. Only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Are you tired of seeing your teen or young adult struggle on a path that clearly isn't the right fit? Is your teenager confused about which direction to take after high school? The future of work is changing rapidly, and our kids need to know all of the options available after high school so they're empowered to make the choice that is best for them. In each episode, we explore the latest trends that are shaping the opportunities of today and tomorrow. I'm your host, Betsy Jewell, and this is the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. 